It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today is going to be a bit of a free agency day. We're going to take a look at how or if what the Reds are doing on the other side of the banks downtown will have any impact whatsoever on the Bengals' approach to this offseason as many people are kind of thinking about this season and the next few years for Cincinnati's a crossroads for keeping the Bengals in Cincinnati for one and for getting back to competitiveness in the NFL, which is more on the forefront in the immediate future. Then we've got some other teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs with free agents to catch up on. Last week, we did the Senior Bowl all week. So we'll take a look at the Titans free agents as they lost in the AFC championship game and the Packers free agents as they lost in the NFC championship game and look for some fits for the Cincinnati Bengals there. Finally, PFF did a cool piece today looking at offensive linemen wins over replacement expectations and that focus on offensive linemen that are free agents, including one guy we've talked about already and one guy we're going to talk about today. So we'll take a look at some of the risks in the profiles of these players from a PFF perspective and talk about that in the third segment. But first, let's quickly get an overview of the Cincinnati Reds offseason to give some context to this comparison. A quick lesson on recent Reds history. I know that you're listening to this because you're a Bengals fan, but the Reds have had losing seasons for each of the last six years. Their best winning percentage in those years came last year after they made some trades to get to a 46% winning percentage. This year, they've gone out and spent well over $100 million in their biggest free agency splurge in the team's history. This is not a team that has historically spent money on free agents, and that's all guaranteed money in baseball. Will Mike Brown feel any pressure coming off again four years of losing in a row for the Bengals and a crossroads for this team, a chance to reset a quarterback with a second-year head coach? It seems like everything is building toward a bit more free agency activity than we're used to, but Duke Tobin was cautious about this and said they were going to look for the right fit. And what does that mean, Joe? I think that means everything in terms of how the Bengals operate, the way they conduct business. And if you're a cynic, you may say, what, they do it like a poor franchise. Yeah, there might be some truth to that. And even what Duke Tobin is saying, they need to know you're coming in here to a family run organization that's going to have some things lacking that maybe a first class 
football team has, but it also means the money. And he says these guys have to fit uh, with the payment structure and how the Bengals normally um, structure their salaries. And I think all of that means less guaranteed money and an even pay scale for the life of the contract. Yeah, we've talked about the guaranteed money that the Bengals don't spend the same way as other free agency teams do. And that is a big factor. Agents and players are looking for guaranteed funds in these contracts. The Bengals' way of business has generally been to pay less guaranteed money, but until recently, the Bengals could at least say, you're going to see the life of this deal. Now, in recent years, they've been more willing to cut players, Preston Brown being the most recent example of this, who got cut not even a full season into his three-year deal, and they've been more willing to eat dead money. So, with that being the case, it might be difficult for the Bengals to attract the sorts of free agents that could push this team next year back into contention. And I wonder if they're feeling the pressure. That's how we originally started this. And is it from the Reds? Or is it from more of Hamilton County, the stadium lease, having a new coaching quarterback that need the pieces around them? This talent level is really low on the, on the roster right now. I think the team is fully aware of it. And if they want to win under that four- to five-year window with a new quarterback while the iron is hot, I think you have to spend a little bit of money. And then the question is going to be, where are they going to spend that money? Where are they going to find those good fits? Because it can't be a hometown discount on a guy like Preston Brown again. That did not make the team better. We saw they got comfortable with him. They knew who he was. They knew he who he would be on a snap-to-snap basis. And that player just wasn't good enough. And so they moved on halfway through the season And like I said, that marked a signal change. So it needs to be something different. They need to bring in a true starter level player who can improve them at a position where they were not good. And I'm hoping that they're feeling the pressure, right? Because they had the lowest attendance numbers they've had in two decades. They have the Reds going all in this year after six years of losing to field a competitive team after last year spending a lot of capital to acquire players via trades. So there's two ways. The Reds have spent two seasons dumping capital to acquire players via trade and via free agency. The Bengals now, they've got to be feeling some pressure to follow suit, especially with the lease coming up due in six years. And I don't think we can undersell the Joe Burrow point. Maybe he can attract free agents. Maybe players want to play for him. You saw the way they reacted watching the the playoffs and the national championship game with Burrow. Players around the league were excited about it, said this guy's the real deal. That can turn heads. That can get people interested. But I also think the fan base is more excited for this team than they've been in a long time. And if you bring Burrow in, you got to cap it off with some free agents also. And I think you can get this attendance to spike up really quickly. Yeah, there's two key ingredients here for Mike Brown. All he has to do is draft Joe Burrow and sign free agents. And then the sands will fill up again in Cincinnati. And we'll talk about some of those free agents that they might sign in the next segment. We're going to take a look at the Titans, and there's some interesting players there. We're going to take a look at the Green Bay Packers as well. We'll get to those teams here in just a minute. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill. 
so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Picking back up free agency, we've got some interesting players. I was listening to the... Bengals Growler podcast, which is on The Athletic. If you have the subscription, you can get all of those episodes with Paul Denner Jr. and Jay Morrison. And they talked a lot about one particular player that we'll get to as we are going through the playoff teams that have been eliminated, which bring us to the Titans and the Packers, kicking off with the AFC. Why not? Bring us to the Tennessee Titans. They've got two guys, two decently big free agents. I think their offensive linemen, obviously Jack Conklin, is going to get paid and going to get paid pretty big. I think everyone's in agreement there that if the Bengals went out, that's a slam dunk if they come away with Conklin. But the other guy that gets talked about a lot, and that was this where I was going with that with the Denner and Morrison, was Logan Ryan. Corner for the Titans came from the Patriots. I don't know, Jake. I'm seeing a lot of people start to, you know, once he's mentioned, I see a lot of more Bengals fans start talking about him. I don't think he's going to get paid that much, maybe because of his experience with the Patriots. And then the Titans going three games deep into the playoffs this year, playing 1,300 snaps in 2019. Um, Maybe that helps for the experience factor, but what are we looking at as a player? He'll be 29 next year. He has been a picture of health for the most part in his career. Like you said, 1,300 snaps this year. Didn't really come off the field for the Titans last year. 855 snaps, but the previous three years, all over 1,000 snaps in each of those years. For the early part of his career, graded out with PFF as an excellent tackler. Had very few missed tackles compared to tackles made. Looked like a solid run defender more often than not to a plus run defender, actually. And a solid to average coverage corner. This year played almost exclusively in the slot. Had 250 snaps outside to 850 in the slot. So you're looking at this point. At a 29-year-old slot corner who is coming off his one of his worst years as a pro anyway, his, his worst year as a pro since he became a full-time starter for New England back in 2015. And at that point, I would rather just bring Dark Denard back. And the way that he's being talked about, the, it seems like everyone's assuming that Dark Denard is gone. And maybe that is the case after he could only get a one-year deal. He had a pretty good year on a prove-it deal. On the other hand, Jeff Hobson did talk to Denard for a piece on Bengals.com 
about Kobe Bryant today. So that bridge maybe isn't totally burnt, but the assumption seems to be that he will certainly test the unrestricted free agent waters. And last year at this time, I was not in favor of throwing a lot of money at Denard. I didn't feel like he was above replacement level. I thought he had his best, yeah, probably his best year, especially eight, what do we, what do we play, eight games, uh, his best stretch that he's ever had in the NFL. And when you kind of step back, and despite the injuries, he's been a pretty consistent nickel corner guy. You look at PFF's metrics, we've talked about this before, but he was number one in every advanced number you can look at, whether it's yards per snap, targets per snap, uh, passer rating, yada, 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 go down the list. Logan Ryan, on the other hand, was the complete opposite, if you look at that. He was targeted the most of any slot corner in the NFL, targeted 96 times. That's just in the slot. Uh, gave up 68 receptions in the slot. Again, that's number one. He gave up 758 yards. Again, that's number one. Or the bottom. I don't want to you know, confuse that if anyone's confused there. Denard was number one as in the best. Logan Ryan has given up the most in this category. He also gave up five touchdowns in the slot, tied for the first. He did have three picks, gave up a 98 uh, quarterback rating when targeted. His yards per coverage snap, 1.69, was, again, the most in the NFL. It, from a statistical standpoint, this would be a downgrade, and you're going to probably pay double what you maybe, – maybe triple what you paid Denard. They got a really good deal this year. Yeah, I would like to see Denard come back, and you could give him a raise and feel mm-hmm. totally fine about that. Give him a three-year deal, four-year deal, call him the slot corner for the next few years because they can't really let their good players go. And if you're going to fill that spot with a guy that was worse, I would just sit here and think, man, that's such a Bengals move, right? Like you're spending the money, but what are you doing? Like get the evaluation right, then spend the money because – I mean, Logan Ryan did have some good years. The Bengals were interested in signing him when he was a free agent in 2017 after he had two really good years in New England. But as most players do when they leave Bill Belichick and that New England organizational knowledge, institutional knowledge, as we've called it on this podcast, there's a little bit of a fall off. And that was especially visible for Ryan in the coverage department. You mentioned all those slot statistics. He was targeted 134 times in total this year on all of his snaps, including the playoffs. He gave up 92 catches. That's 69% almost convert uh, completion percentage. That's not really what you want to see. He gave up nearly 1,100 yards. He gave up seven touchdowns. Did have five interceptions, 12 pass breakups. So it looks like the ball skills are still showing up in terms of production, at least, with 17 hands-on ball plays. That's a nice way to call that. Is that the correct term, hands-on ball plays? But they could use that. The Bengals could use some ball skills back there. But is that worth it? Is that worth the price of um, upgrade or maybe potential upgrade, if anything? If it seems like a linear move at best based on last year, I'm with you on keeping Dirk Wisner because you probably get him for cheaper. So are we putting him on the list? We've got some players. We've got a list of, of potential free agents we would target. Would you target Logan Ryan? especially for what he's projected to make. I would only target Logan Ryan if he would cost similar to what Darquez Denard costed this year. He's coming off really a career-worst year, and at age 29 for corners, you start to get into that fall-off-a-cliff territory for a lot of guys that don't have crazy good athleticism when they come, came out. And being as he's a slot guy, I wouldn't say that Logan Ryan likely had that crazy athleticism coming out. I don't have his combine numbers in front of me. The other thing that stands out is he had 11 penalties this year. 
So that yeah. goes on top of the 92 catches on 134 targets, both of which are by far career worse, but pretty close in line to his last four years, giving up about 68, 69% completion percentage on targets into his coverage. And his cap hit the last three years. So the last contract he signed with the Titans was a three-year, $30 million deal. Total guarantees at $16 million. To be honest, that sounds like a deal the Bengals would be willing to do for their number two corner. I just don't think that he commands that kind of money anymore. This is three years later in his career. He's been worse in Tennessee than he was in New England. New England, obviously, you're coming out of a team where guys tend to get overpaid. I don't think that he'll command that kind of money as a result of those things. But we'll have to wait and see and find out, right? But if it was like a two-year, $10 million deal, sure, I'm taking Logan Ryan at that point. But I I feel like just maybe his pedigree will earn him a little bit more. He was a third-round pick, so he he has done well with his second contract to make the $30 million. And I'm assuming he's going to be out there looking for another payday here. I got his combine 40 here. He ran a 4.56. So I'm not feeling great about how that kind of speed is going to age. Oh, typically that means once they hit 30, that's it for them, those and guys. So he he may have a year left. Right. Yeah. Um, the other guy to talk about really fast because we got to move on to the Packers is Jack Conklin at tackle. Spotrock has him at um, average annual salary projected market value at $15 million. They expect a six-year deal upwards of $90 million. Is that out of the Bengals' range? I think it is, but if they're going to go big, this would be a good place to do it, in my opinion. He's just 26 years old, coming off his rookie deal. We'll talk about Conklin more, though, when we look at some of those projections from PFF in the third segment, so stick around for that. A couple other names just to quickly mention here. Marcus Mariota, a free agent that people have talked about as an upside backup kind of player. I could see it. Yeah, it's possible. And then Tremaine Brock was still pretty good for the Titans at corner. He's 32, so same age caveats apply as when we were talking about Logan Ryan. But Tremaine Brock was a little bit better. And if it's like a one-year deal for a backup kind of job, I wouldn't hate to see Tremaine Brock as a budget target from the Tennessee Titans. But let's get into the Green Bay Packers free agents. They've got a bunch of guys that are free agents, but most of them are like exclusive rights or restricted Jake Kumaro, for example, an exclusive rights free agent. So the big names here to talk about, you could talk about Brian Bulaga, I think for sure. He's 31. He's another right tackle. And after that, it's just Blake Martinez, and he's coming off a, a bad year in a contract year. Yeah, Martinez is the interesting guy, right, because he's had some success. The Packers' defense was really good, especially their front seven this year, and then that ends up being his worst uh, season based on PFF numbers and s- some other basic stats, but you click on him for Spotrack for his market value. I don't know if you've done this yet, Jake. Sixteen point three million for average annual salary. If they expect a five-year, eighty-two million dollar deal. Geez, that feels extremely high, for, or at least out of the Bengals' price range. They have him as ranked as the third inside linebacker in free agency. If they're going to be spending that much money at linebacker, it needs to be somebody athletic, and that person in this year's free agency crop is a guy we've talked about a lot in Corey Littleton, mm-hmm. and I'm not coming close to spending that kind of money for Blake Martinez, especially coming off the year he's coming off. I think one of the reasons that his value is inflated a little bit on Track is because he's really the only linebacker in Green Bay. So the yeah. stats that they're comparing him with, he's getting compared against Bernardrick McKinney, C.J. Mosley, Bobby Wagner as his comparables. 
And a big reason is he played 100% of the games. He didn't miss any time for Green Bay this Two year. Two years in least. a row, basically. Yeah, so he's he's got the tackles per game number. He Out of those guys, he's got the highest tackles per game figure. He's got some pass rushing productivity. He's got some stops productivity. He's been bad in coverage compared to these yeah. guys, that's for sure. And he's, he's overall a, a worse linebacker in their system, but with inflation and all those things, that, that leads to the same sort of deal that you saw for Quan Alexander. But if the Bengals weren't going to spend that money last year on one of the linebackers we talked about about this time, Quan Alexander being the prime example, yeah. I, I'm not coming close to that for Martinez. Martinez, I'm looking at more of like a $10 million deal at the high end after his performance this year. And I think pedigree is the important part here. He was a former fourth-round pick out of Stanford, ran a 4.71 as a prospect. That's typically not what you're looking for in terms of – you would be labeled it as an over, overachiever at this point. And, again, the coverage numbers for me, when I look at it, and he gives up 81% of the targets in his area to be caught over the course of his career isn't very inspiring. The last three years at 84 82 and 82%. Um, Again, he didn't give up a touchdown last year, but at the same time, the year before, gave up four touchdowns in coverage. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel great. There's, these are two guys, great examples, I think. Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez, if people say they are need positions and they go out and spend big money on them, it would be, in my mind, bad moves. Again, you've got to get the evaluation part right first. We talked about it with Logan Ryan, and I think it's the same case here for Blake Martinez. The other guy to quickly talk about for Green Bay is Brian Bulaga. They've also got market value for him up at Sportrack with his comparables being Marcus Cannon, Lane Johnson, Mitchell Schwartz, and Bobby Massey. A few of those names are still very good tackles in the NFL, and they're projecting him at an age of 30, a three-year deal, about $10 million a year. And that is something that honestly... I could get behind. He has been rock solid for the most part for Green Bay, and he would be an upgrade for the Bengals of right tackle. And then you got Bobby Hart as a swing tackle, and, and that is where he belongs. You feel good about Bobby Hart as a backup, honestly. And this is, if they, we're talking about three years, 30 million, the guaranteed money is probably only 12 to 15 million, 16 million at most, just to tip the scales over 50%. I think that's in the Bengals' range. So a lot of times we're looking at cap number and we're kind of, yeah, that fits, but the hard part is always projecting the guaranteed money. So I think if you cut it in half and said 15 million, I think that's exactly how the Bengals would like to structure something. Now, is the upgrade worth it? You're going from $7 million at Bobby Hart to Brian Bulaga at 10 million. I think that's a perfect example of, okay, we're only spending 3 million more and getting a significant upgrade at this position. Yeah. Bobby Hart, while he did play better, still has the same issues that plagued him in two years ago. So, I don't see them necessarily making a splash like that to move on from Hart. I think they're happier with him than we are, but this would be one that would make some sense to me, at least for the Bengals. More than Conklin makes sense for the Bengals. But let's take a look at some of that regression information. We're going to revisit a free agent that we talked about previously who has some local ties to Cincinnati, and we're going to take a little bit more of a look at Jack Conklin as well. So we'll get to you with that data in just a minute. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got... 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break. Plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. So as we've done free agency, and at first when we did the Patriots uh, roster and their upcoming free agents after their loss to the Titans, it's a player we wrote down, circled, talked about a bunch. And as, again, I was listening to Denner and Morrison on their podcast. I was listening to other people, uh, Brandon Thorne, and, who's an offensive lineman breakdown guru on Twitter. Uh, check him out. He's been on the show before. But I've been starting to slowly roll into this. I think the number one, I think the perfect target for the Bengals in free agency. Now, I don't know if it means Duke Tobin, he's going to fit our salary structure, but I do think this should be the number one guy they go after from the Patriots at guard, and that's Joe Tooney from Dayton. And he's been to three Super Bowls. He's 28 years old. He has the experience. He's got the pedigree in terms of rings. He's played really well. He was PFF's number five guard this year. He had his best year in pass protection, giving up just 16 sacks on nearly 700 pass uh, protection snaps. He had uh, the third highest pass blocking grade in the league. And I think you take him, you slide him in at guard, and you're going to have to pay. PFF has him projected to make this year five years at 13.5 average per year at $31 million guaranteed that may be out of the Bengals' price range, especially with that guaranteed money. But I think they should learn their lesson from Kevin Zeitler and be the team that goes out and signs a Kevin Zeitler and solidify one position, plug them in the left guard next to Jonah Williams and Trey Hopkins and start off with your left side looking right for Joe Burrow. I think you do have to worry a little bit about this one note that PFF has on Joe Tooney that he struggled against power. And that's a lot of what you face in the AFC North in particular, especially against the Steelers. So you would still have some of those issues with those interior offensive linemen for Pittsburgh. The other guy right below him, just to give a little mention that they don't have a projection for, but Graham Glasgow is a guy that we shouldn't forget about either. Right. We talked about Glasgow. Mm-hmm. We both would target him, I think, in the, in the same range. Uh, but as to that power also, in the Super Bowl last year, he completely blanked or helped blank Aaron Donald. 
So, I mean, that's the highlight game to put up there and say he handled the best defensive player in the league. And I would say that Donald is more than just power. He certainly has power to his game, but there's a lot of speed there. I'm thinking of like the Cam Hayward bull rush when when I think about a concern with Joe Tooney. But conveniently for us today, PFF published a piece looking at projections for some of the top offensive line free agents. And many of these guys are coming off career years. So we'll start at the top. Just talking through the names on this list, Anthony Costanzo, if he chooses not to retire from the Colts, he is, again, coming off one of the best years in his career, and his comparables, for the most part, are trending down from here. They're they're going from, say, 0.2 wins over replacement to 0.1 the next year, so half the value in terms of wins over replacement. And you see similar trends for guys like Jack Conklin, who went from a 0.06 in 2018 to a 0.31 which is huge for an offensive lineman in PFF's metric in 2019. And then again, for him projected to go down to about be cut in half, but they're still projecting that big contract the same way that sport track is going down on the list. Brandon Scherf, same thing, 0.15 to 0.06. They're, they're saying, and Joe Tooney is kind of an exception to this role and not that they're not projecting him to have major regression, but in that He's had three straight years of rock-solid play at guard with very little variance, and still they're projecting him to go from a .23, .24 two years ago down to a .08. So you have to kind of weigh, is he going to be between the expected outcome, which PFF has as a .08, or is he going to continue to be that model of consistency and be closer to a .2? And if that's the case, then that's money very well spent. And one of the top comparables for him in doing this exercise for PFF was Clint Bowling. So talk about a model of consistency. I think Clint Bowling is one. And, and another guy on this list of comparables, Kevin Zeitler. Yeah, and I think when we start to look at wins above replacement, I love that what they do with this. And we have to look at who he'd be replacing. Average is zero. The Bengals weren't even at zero at average at guard last year, especially if you're talking about Jordan and Billy Price at left guard. This would be a a significant upgrade as big as they probably could make on the offensive line anywhere by getting a top five guard to replace both price and Jordan were graded as bottom five guards throughout the season. So it would be a huge uh, upgrade. And the other thing about free agency that I think gets lost sometimes you're, you're paying for a guy that more than likely is coming off a big year, right? If you're going to go for these top guys, you should expect them to regress a little bit, Going from Dante Scarnecchia, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, Tooney may not be that top five guy, but I would, based on what he looks like, rock steady, I would say top 12 guy if he's Clint Bowling, and that's more than fine. The other value in it, so you're paying a little bit more for a top 12 guard, but the other value in free agency is it allows you to draft differently. And by replacing that, getting a good starter, whether it's at guard, at corner, at linebacker, maybe multiple positions, it really frees up what you can do and allows you to draft. When they were good, they were because they had a really good roster and they were able to freely draft these guys in any round, second, third, fourth round and get good quality players that are falling down the board. They haven't been able to do that. They've had to target players to fill specific needs instead of going out in free agency and filling those first. So that's the other part of the value. I'm okay with overpaying at a guy that's going to play a little bit worse than he did last year. But the replacement is going to be a big boost, plus it frees up your draft position. That and it doesn't cost anything but money. And money for these owners in the NFL 
is free. This is revenue shared money. This is coming from the league. They're going to make their money either way and they need to spend the money either way. They're still going to end up spending $190 million plus on salary. And their cap, I think this year is going to be about $210 million. I think their adjusted cap somewhere around there, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. Can't remember off the top of my head. We'll have this drilled into our heads pretty soon though, I think. But regardless, point is, they will have to spend the money. So you might as well get guys who will have the biggest impact on your team. And the biggest way to do that right now without spending your players or your draft picks as capital is to use your money resource and fill a hole to free up that capital to improve your team in other ways. I just looked at Joe to see if he had anything more to say and and he doesn't. That's it. That's the show. We Go sign Joe Tooney. Go sign Joe Tooney. Tomorrow, we will be on with ESPN.com's Ben Baby. We had Cat Terrell earlier this year. I was friends with Coley Harvey back in the day. I got to meet him at training camp when I went a few years ago when he was still covering the Bengals. And tomorrow, we'll talk to the last beat reporter I think that we haven't had on the show yet in Ben Baby. We're looking forward to that. Hope you are too. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.